0: From NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News, this is the Lone Star Politics Podcast. I'm Chris Blake. In the wake of the Georgia state legislature passing an elections bill that critics say would make voting more difficult, election legislation at the state level has become a hot-button issue. And Texas is among the states that could find itself in the spotlight next. The state, House, and Senate each have their own bills on the matter. The Senate bill was passed last week, while the House bill just cleared a committee hearing on Thursday. To discuss those bills and other issues facing the legislature this session, Julie Fine and Gromer-Jeffers are joined this week by State Senator Royce West, a Democrat from Dallas, and Senator Brian Hughes, a Republican from Minneola, and a sponsor of the Senate bill. Julie also sat down this week with State House Speaker Dade Phelan. Plus, we'll hear from NBC5 Sports Director Newey Scruggs as the battle over voting bills spills over into professional sports leagues. Before we get to Hughes and West, a little background on where we're at in the state legislature. The state Senate passed a bill on April 1st that would limit early voting hours, restrict the amount of voting machines available at countywide polling places, and take some power over election administration away from local officials. Hughes was quoted in the Dallas Morning News, a media partner of NBC5, after the passage of the bill, saying it is meant to protect election integrity. Critics say the bill specifically targets urban areas in the state, which tend to have a higher percentage of Democratic voters. The Senate bill now heads to the House for a vote. On the House side, the House Elections Committee approved House Bill 6 on Thursday on a party-line vote with only Republicans voting for it. That bill would make it a felony for local election officials to distribute vote-by-mail applications to voters who did not request one. House Bill 6 next moves to the House Calendars Committee. Governor Greg Abbott has made election integrity an emergency item this legislative session. So having said all of that, Here's state Senators Royce West and Brian Hughes in a joint interview with Julian Grumman.
1: Thanks so much for being here.
2: Good morning, thanks for having
0: us.
1: I want to start with you, Senator Hughes, it's your bill. Some critics have said that this is a solution that is in search of a problem. Your response to that?
2: So there's an effort to drag us into this national debate and talk about other states. If you look at this bill or the terms of the bill, it's reasonable common sense reform and this is nothing new in 2017 we passed Senate Bill 5 a mail ballot election fraud bill that was passed bipartisan signed by the governor. in 2019 I filed Senate Bill 9 which passed the Senate many of the same ideas and here we are again so like every other area of the law when we see problems when we hear testimony from prosecutors Republican and Democrat about problems in the system, We try to clean it up and make the system better for everyone. That's what Senate Bill 7 does. A secure process is good for everyone.
3: Senator West, what about it? Is this uh, simply an election security bill? Uh, Do we need more security or more reforms as it relates to mail-in ballots?
4: Uh, Let me say this. What we should be doing is trying to expand the right to vote and opportunities for everyone in this state to vote. If indeed uh, Brian has filed several bills over the past legislative sessions in order to deal with "quote unquote" this issue, and for some strange reason it comes back up over and over again, and when you think about his bill in conjunction of what Republicans are doing around the state, it's part of it's it's part and parcel of the same. Donald Trump has been crying that the election was stolen from him, and it wasn't. When you begin to talk to the professionals, they said this was the most secure election in history, I believe, or it was a very secure election this time around, there were no problems. Now, had Brian come to Democrats prior to filing the bill, as I mentioned on the floor of our debate, he would have been able to get input from Democrats before filing the bill, knowing that this is kind of a powder cake every legislative session. Are there good parts of the bill? Yes. Are there bad parts? Yes. And the bad parts are exactly what we're talking about in terms of limiting opportunities to vote, uh, in, in terms of dividing counties based on population and putting put in place a formula to determine where election polls can in fact exist and where they cannot exist.
1: Senator Hughes, your response to that?
2: We understand the national discussion that's going on, but if we talk about this bill, in my district over in East Texas, I have a county commissioner under criminal indictment for election fraud, but that case was brought by Democrats against Democrats happen to be African-American. This is not about race, not about party. This is about election fraud. Democratic and Republican prosecutors testified before the Senate, elected in both parties telling us about problems, how people are cheating. If you look at the reforms in Senate Bill 7, they're mostly aimed at the ballot harvesters who take advantage of voters, who intimidate them, who mislead them. Uh, That's what this is about. And so it's an issue we continue to deal with because it continues to come up in sworn testimony. And today, the AG has over 400 election fraud investigations open in Texas. As Senator West knows, COVID-19 protocols last year pretty much shut down the courts. So many of these cases have not been moving through as quickly as we would like. But this is an ongoing process. The indictments in my district are based on the 2018 election cycle. There's problems that need to be fixed, and I hope we can all agree on that.
4: Let me just respond to that. Uh, last time I checked, just because a person has been indicted doesn't mean that they're guilty. That's number one. And I think Brian, as a member of the borough, would recognize that. And just as he said, this happened in 2018. This is 2021, and there's been no resolution of that particular issue in three years in Mineola, Texas. What goes on in Mineola, Texas, is not indicative of what goes on in the rest of the state of Texas. I'm just very concerned that when he begins in his particular bill that was passed by the Senate on a partisan basis, as the other bills have been in the previous sessions, you will note that urban areas where you have a large turnout of Af- uh, African Americans and Hispanics are being treated differently from citizens in Minneola, Texas.
3: Uh, Senator Hughes, a couple of that things. Is. Is. L- let me ask you this before I get you to weigh in on, on what Senator West just said. Well, you can see that in 2020, in Texas in 2020, there was a clean election, there was no widespread fraud that impacted the results of those elections. Is
2: that correct? So, let's talk about that. so I'm not sure where widespread voter fraud came from. It used to be we heard there's no voter fraud. And now that there's evidence, now the accusation is, well, there's no widespread voter fraud. How much fraud is enough? How much is acceptable? We have testimony that in this election cycle, uh, there were there were irregularities, and so those are being investigated. And again, we're talking about Republican, Democrat, all across the state. The particular case I talked about is in Longview, Gregg County, where indictments are pending. But again, there are hundreds of these investigations all over the state.
4: And uh, Senator- but, and, 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 and but just because you have investigations, that doesn't necessarily you have an allegation of fraud. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have fraud. And frankly, I hadn't really heard about all of these 400 cases now that uh, we've I don't recall hearing that as part of the debate. This is a part of a national-wide effort to suppress the vote. And I know we're going to have differences. I don't blame the Republicans for trying to suppress the vote because the, the more people that turn out to vote, the more competitive these elections will be across this country.
3: Senator Hughes, uh, critics of this bill argue about these provisions. The limits on early voting hours, elimination of, a, of drive-through voting, and it also makes some changes into the, in, in the mail-in ballot process. Why are these measures necessary?
2: Drive-through voting is not an election code, never been tried or even discussed in Texas. I think we can all agree that the people of Texas acting through the legislature passed the laws, government signs the bill, and that's what we follow. We can't have local officials changing the law, whether I like the way they did it or you like it. It doesn't matter. And so drive-through voting was invented in one county, one election last year. There was testimony now that they still can't figure out if they got the numbers right, if all the votes were even counted. Also testimony that we have people packed into cars, voting machines being passed around, no secret ballot. I think we can all agree that secret ballot is fundamental. No poll watchers to see the process. In the polling place, we have security. We have everything that people are accustomed to, and that's the safest way to vote. We make exceptions, make accommodations for folks who can't come into the polling place with a disability, and of course, mail ballots for 65 or over, disabled overseas the best way, the safest way that everyone's comfortable with is in that polling place. Harris County tried to make up the rules on their own, and you can't do that. Drive-through voting has never existed in Texas, nor has 24-hour voting. It was testimony they had a hard time getting election workers, couldn't get poll workers to come into those times. So this is not like we're changing some long-standing process. One county, one election tried to change the rules. And
1: we're clarifying the law Senator West does Texas need to clarify its its laws or make them uniform as it's related to mail-in ballots and other forms of voting like drive-through
4: well let's let's talk about this and he's right there's no provision for uh, drive-through but there's no reason why we shouldn't have drive-through because it opens up the ability to cast ballots and that's what we should be about uh, when you begin to look at the issues concerning poll watches under his bill if it's passed and held constitutional poll watchers now have the ability, frankly, to move all over the place unless with a video camera, okay? They can record everything that's going on in the voting voting precinct except the person actually voting, even though there was a provision, and thank ARC for being involved in this concerning people and poll watchers being able to, frankly, look, over, look into a car if an, if an elderly person or disabled person came up to the voting location, look into the car, listen to whatever conversations that are going on. What Brian's bill has done in part is to make certain that there's going to be mass confusion at the voting, at voting locations. When persons that come in to vote know that they're now being videotaped up until the point that they cast their ballot, you know that there's going to be some confusion and uh, and disruption of the election. And for, for and don't, don't get me wrong, and Brian will say that this is for Democrats and Republicans, but allowing poll watchers to videotape, but the election workers can't videotape, seems one-sided to me.
1: This one for both There's of you. Poll- oh, I'm sorry, go ahead real quick. Sorry.
2: You saw on poll watchers. Poll watchers are the eyes and ears of the public. And again, Senator West is right. This is nothing new. We have poll watchers from both parties, from multiple candidates. So they are the eyes and ears of the public. And let's be clear about videotaping. In the past, we've had conflicts where the poll watcher said, hey, the election worker violated the law. The election worker says, no, I didn't. We want to have video evidence of what happened. And let's be clear, under this law, the poll watcher is not allowed to release, share, or in any way distribute that video, except to the Secretary of State if there's evidence of election fraud. This is a clean, tight response. And again, poll watchers from both parties can use this process. It's available to everyone.
1: Senators, we want to get Mm -hmm. to one more here. This one for both of you. Are you concerned about boycotts from corporations, from sports leagues because of these laws?
4: I'll let Brian go first on that one. I'd be happy to.
2: So I've read a number of statements from companies and most of them are are broad generalizations we would all agree with about the right to vote, how it's important, how we support it. Only one or two statements specifically mentioned Senate Bill 7, and none of them talked about any provision they don't like. And I understand uh, people need to talk about these things. That's fine. But if we talk about specific provisions of the bill, they are common sense reforms. Texas is the ninth largest economy in the world. Businesses want to come here, want to create jobs here. There's a reason for that. I'll visit with anybody who's got questions for me or ideas, left, right, business, personal, I don't care. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, if companies don't like the policies in Texas, I hear there's plenty of vacancies in California.
1: Senator West?
2: I think that,
4: that's a, 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 that that position is the wrong position to take. I'm glad that businesses are standing up uh, in terms of uh, expanding the right to vote as opposed to restricting restricting the right to vote. As I told Brian, there's a couple of provisions in that bill that I agree with. We should, uh, we should be able to audit the ballots. Uh, we need to make certain that mail-in ballots can in fact be uh, tracked electronically, but we shouldn't be restricting the right election registrars can now no longer send out mail invalid applications without a request. You think about what that's all about. That's to make certain that those persons that are even eligible now and we can't tell the registrars can't even tell them that they're reg- that they're eligible to do it. otherwise they may very well and I don't know whether this is what criminal offenses that they put in into bill or it's criminalized. So I think corporations should get involved in this discussion as it relates to expanding the right to vote and making sure we're not suppressing the right to vote. And Texas should not be a part of a national uh, move just because a candidate for the presidency lost and wants to create his own facts in terms of what transpired to make him lose this election. We should be better than that in the state of Texas and work together to have a more transparent system of voting.
1: We got to leave it there. We really appreciate both of you coming on today and talking about your positions. Thank you very much for doing this together. We appreciated Senator Hughes and Senator West.
2: Our pleasure. Thank you for having. Me.
0: We stay in Austin and keep the focus on the Texas House, where Dade Phelan is closing in on the end of his first session as Speaker of the House. There's about six weeks left in the 87th legislative session, which had a couple curveballs thrown its way. Like COVID 19 and the February winter storm. Julie spoke to the Republican from Beaumont about his first session as Speaker and a new health care initiative.
1: Thanks so much for joining us again. We appreciate your time.
5: Well, thank you, Julie. I appreciate you having me. And I've always enjoyed uh, talking to your audience. Thank you for having me.
1: Let's start with today a major House health care package. You had a lot of different bills. And you said this is a priority for you, especially even personally, this session.
5: Yes, and so healthcare is, is an issue that Texans talk about at the breakfast table and they talk about at the dinner table. And the House wanted to advance legislation that we thought was impactful and meaningful for all Texans. Some of these bills I voted on uh, in previous sessions. Uh, some are new, innovative ideas. Uh, one's already out of the House and over to the Senate. So. I think there's great opportunities for this package to to make its way through the legislative process. It's by no means the end of the discussion. There's other members who have other pieces of legislation that we will take up in due time, but this was kind of the first wave of, you know, dealing with, you know, a a healthier Texans and and healthier Texas families.
1: Uh, Some of the initiatives in there are expanding telehealth, reducing drug prices for the uninsured. It addresses maternal mortality and One everybody talked about, or I felt like was really stressed there, was requiring hospitals to disclose their prices before the services are rendered.
5: Yeah, so now uh, it's law. You're supposed to, if you're a hospital, disclose your prices so that the consumer can know what they're paying for. And like Dr. Oliverson very rightfully pointed out and very correctly pointed out, you wouldn't go buy a car without knowing what it costs. and just get the bill 30, 60 days later. And we've all done that. I I was in the emergency room three weeks ago with my youngest who had a little bit of an accident. He was fine. It was very minor. It was was a total precaution. But I I held my breath when I finally got the bill because I didn't know what I was going to get charged because we don't know as consumers. And so there is a law that says they must do this. Some do and some do comply. Others will just prefer to pay the fine when someone calls them out on it rather than disclose the price. And so it's really a transparency issue. It's, it's one of the only services I know of, where you don't know what you're paying for until months later, and it's, I, that has to end.
1: I guess I'm sure you can't say what you believe is the most important aspect of this to pass, because there's so many different bills. What's the goal here?
5: The goal is healthier Texans. The goal is more access to healthcare. The goal is more affordable healthcare. The goal is more transparency. Uh, you know. Texans you know they want to have control of of their product their their healthcare uh, future they want to have, have control they want to know what they're paying uh, they don't want it to be the largest line item in their own household budget businesses don't want to spend as much as they are there's so many ways we can you know resolve that and i think this this first wave of healthcare bills does that from pre- prescription drug reform to to hospital uh, price reform to uh, additional health care plans, to uh, healthier uh, mothers, uh, reduce more, you know, mortality rates, uh, healthier children, uh, make the CHIP process much less convoluted so children don't roll off that program and stay healthier. This, this is a very classic uh, problem we have in legislation. We can pay for some of these things now. We can pay much, much more for them down the road. I prefer we pay less now than, than more down the road.
1: Uh, talk a little bit about, and you talked about this, you took some questions on this, you know, Medicaid expansion, it's something that comes up each session when it comes to health care. Do there need to be changes there?
5: Well, you know, that's a very targeted population. If you use the hhsc's uh, utilization rate, it's about 700,000 Texans. And that, that's a, that is a big population, and that's a debate that the House will have. Every session I've been here, we've had a debate on the House floor in some form or fashion about Medicaid expansion. We will have that discussion on the House floor, and the members will decide where they want to go on that. I will tell you that what we rolled out today, some of these bills impact could impact tens of millions of Texans, uh, and and some are very targeted. But the, 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 where, what we're targeting or could be some of the most life-changing uh, populations, especially again the, the, the maternal mortality and, and the children's health insurance program, driving down the cost of insulin, epipens, which is a staggering amount of money right now for the average Texan. To be able to drive that down as much as 70% per Texan, is, that, that's 3 million people alone in the insulin um, uh, market. So I, I think it's a very broad package. I think it impacts Texans that are uninsured and underinsured. The Medicaid population in Texas is about one in five might be eligible for the program. So I think what we're doing addresses not just that 20%, the other 80% as
2: well.
1: Um, switching to some other topics, something that we've seen a lot of discussion about our voter bills. We saw SB 7 pass in the Senate. That's on the way to the House. You have your own legislation as well. SB Senate, you know, proponents call it security. Opponents call it suppression. Where do you think it will go in the House?
5: Well, we have our own version, House Bill 6, and we had a hearing that started 8 a.m. last week and went all the way till about 5.30 in the morning. And we heard from hundreds, if not thousands of Texans on that bill. Uh, uh, Speaking to House Bill 6, I I don't understand the consternation behind the bill. I don't see where there's voter suppression in that bill. I can tell you that I have the numbers of of various CEOs, which I plan to call. Or they can call me, and I can walk through the bill with them. We can go line by line by line, and they can tell me where they see voter suppression in House Bill 6. House Bill 6 will eventually make it to the House floor and we will have that debate and members can try to point out where they see suppression in House Bill 6. I see voter integrity. I see a statewide statute on, on how we conduct our elections. What we saw last in 2020, we saw certain areas of the state, certain counties create election law out of thin air on a daily basis. They were not following the statutes. we, we change statutes here in the Texas Capitol. The Texas House of Representatives and the Texas Senate decide election law, not individual counties. That's what House Bill 6 seeks to address. To me, it's a lot of transparency and a lot of sunshine. And again, I'm willing to walk, walk through some of these large corporations and their CEOs and their leadership. I'm willing to go line by line. And we can sit, we have a conference call. We can go through House Bill 6 and they can point out where they think voter suppression is and we can explain to them what it actually does.
1: Um, and the heartbeat bill also made its way over to the house. Where do you see that going?
5: Well, today that bill is being heard in the house uh, house bill 1515 is being heard. I probably as we speak. So that's not a bill I've ever heard on the house floor. It, it's, uh, it's not something I've ever voted on or heard the debate on, but Texas is a pro-life state. Um, I think we, you know, we've proven that over time where we uh, really value the sanctity of life here in Texas. So, I think the votes were there on the committee on public health to bring to the House floor, uh, House Bill 1515, and we'll have that debate on the House floor and see where it goes as well. Um, so I, I've not heard the debate on that bill. I'm sure it will it'll be another – I'll tell you what the great thing about the Texas House is that we probably had half a dozen committees go over 20 hours worth of debate within their committees, hearing from constituents, hearing how these bills impact them. And I think that's very important, very important dialogue to have.
1: Uh, before i let you go it's your first session you're heading into the home stretch i remember talking to you at the beginning how do you feel now
5: i feel great i think we're, we've hit stride in the texas house we we were we were right on schedule we have passed the same amount of legislation that we passed in previous sessions despite the COVID issues we've been confronted with despite the winter storm uh despite you know an immigration surge that has a lot of members you know questioning what our border security looks like despite um, you know a a, a CARES Act three, a a third wave of federal funding coming to the state that, quite frankly, is too soon to even try to administer those those resources in the state budget. It's just another wrinkle that we're dealing with. So every week has been something new here in in, in the Texas Capitol, but we've we've addressed every one of them, I think, appropriately. And I I feel great about this session. I think we're going to pass a budget that every member can be very um, excited about and I think we'll address all the major issues uh, when, you know, again, back in January when we first spoke, we thought that there would be limited opportunities, and there's not. There's plenty of time to debate, and you, we're in the home stretch. but it's a big home stretch.
1: And the power stuff, you're already done with, for the most part. You got that out of the way.
5: Correct. We had our first wave of electrical uh, securitization uh, and, and modernization out of the house. Next week, we're going to talk about how we pay for a lot of this. And and those are single shot bills here in the House. The Senate has passed more of an omnibus bill that's coming over to the House, referred today. So we will, come May, work through the differences between the House and the Senate, and we'll make certain that what happened in February doesn't happen again.
1: Speaker, I always appreciate your time.
0: I appreciate you having me. The legislative session is scheduled to wrap up at the end of May, but a special session is likely to tackle redistricting. Voting rights bills and baseball collided in Texas last week when Governor Greg Abbott announced via tweet that he would not throw out the first pitch at the Rangers' home opener Monday. He cited Major League Baseball's decision to move the All-Star Game from Atlanta after Georgia passed an elections bill that would place new restrictions on vote-by-mail and give the state legislature more control over local elections. Abbott added the state would not seek to host the All-Star Game or any other MLB special events. Later Monday, the league announced this year's All-Star game would be played at Colorado's Coors Field. To break it all down, Julian Gromer visit with NBC5 Sports Director, Nui Scruggs.
1: Well, one of our favorite people is joining us today. Nui Scruggs, Sports Director here at NBC5. Nui, we'd love to bring you on when politics intersects with sports.
6: Well, it's always fun to join you and Gromer. It's an honor.
1: Well, thank you. Let's start with everything that's going on with Major League Baseball and the All-Star Game.
6: Well, Julie, the interesting thing is it's just simple. Major League Baseball decided to move the All-Star Game out of Atlanta because they um, didn't like the voting rights bill. And and more importantly, people that sponsored the money, the money people behind it weren't down with it. So they moved it out. And this is not something that we haven't seen happen in sports before. A couple of years ago, the uh, state of North Carolina passed the bathroom bill. And the NBA said, you know, we're not going to have the all-star game here. I mean, because they had a big lead up to it about Michael Jordan's all-star game coming to Charlotte bathroom, Bill Paso, like, no, we're not having. It. And they said, if you go ahead and change the law, then we'll come back. Well, North Carolina changed the law and the all-star game went back. A lot of people don't realize in Super Bowl 27, the Cowboys played it at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, but that wasn't the original plan. The original plan, it was supposed to go to Phoenix, but the folks in Arizona did not honor the uh, MLK law. So the NFL is like, we're not bringing the Super Bowl here. Whenever you decide to pass the MLK law, then we'll bring the Super Bowl back. And so Super Bowl 27 was in Rose Bowl. By the time Super Bowl 30 happened, they were hosting the Super Bowl and the Cowboys played in that one as well. So what's happening in Major League Baseball, I'm kind of laughing at some of the people are all upset. like, this has been something that sports leagues have done um, through the years when they don't approve of laws that states have passed.
3: Yeah, Noe, and... And I wrote something about this last week, but Texas is is dancing pretty close to the fire, you know, with with this voting legislation that the state has. You never know what's going to happen, and and there's a possibility there are future events in Texas, including the NCAA early round tournament, I believe, uh, in uh, t- at TCU next year, and, and in, in another place in Texas. You have to be careful, right, not to to have legislation that these corporations and sports leagues deem as as offensive or suppressing the vote. Grumman, it comes back to money. Okay, you know now you're messing with
6: the money. That was a big thing about that All-Star Game. You mess with a whole bunch of folks' money in North Carolina, and then the other thing that's just so rich in North Carolina's college basketball. So the NCA they took the college basketball events out. So now you had Coach K of Duke moaning and groaning. Then right. you had Roy Williams of North Carolina moaning and groaning. And then what was kind of what was kind of ironic is they moved those events to South Carolina, a place that they used to say they couldn't hold events because of issues that they had politically. And so um, there was also other events, baseball, where. The 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 NCAA took them out of the state of North Carolina. So money was being lost, hotel rooms, those types of things being lost. And so they changed the law. And you bring up a good point about Texas. Here's what else I'll be interested to see what happens um, in Atlanta, the SEC. Every year they host their uh, championship game there. Are, is the SEC going to move it because of the uh, voting rights? What are they going to do? And the same thing here in Texas. Will the NCAA decide that they're going to pull events out of here? Um, will other folks, I mean, because you know, Jerry Jones is always trying to get events down here at Jerry World. So will other people say, we're not going to go to Jerry World because of Voting Rights Act? Will acts say that they will not perform? I mean, we had a bunch of entertainers say they weren't going to go to North Carolina after they passed the bathroom bill. So let's see exactly what happens in Atlanta. And then, of course, what happens in Texas if it, ha- if it goes down.
1: And, you know, the governor took a stand governor of texas not throwing out the first pitch at the rangers home opener
6: yeah boohoo okay oh well i mean you know <laughs> i mean nobody missed him you know nobody was going out to go watch greg abbott um you know people can go out and do you know whatever stunts they want to and that's all i thought it was a
3: stunt it's like nobody's missing him yeah no i i thought it was an opportunity for you to go throw one right over the plate Oh, man. <laughs> uh, you know what, with, 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 a, with, 100%, with 100% capacity, I was good. I was good staying right here at home on that day. Like, no, no, I'm not going out there for that one. What Field was on display last year for the National League uh, uh, playoffs part of that and the World Series. I really think that uh, because of what's going on in the Texas legislature, they probably missed an opportunity to get the All-Star game once it wasn't in Atlanta. But there's no way, like if you were an organizer, that you would risk putting it in Texas with all this that's going on here.
6: Well, Gromer, I'll push back on you on this one about the All-Star game. I don't feel there was any way that Major League Baseball could go and put the All-Star game in Texas after they gave them the World Series, the National League Championship Series, and the Division Series. Uh, Too many other folks within baseball would have been complaining like, hey, you know, you need, to spread, you need to spread this thing out there. They understood that the Rangers had built a brand new stadium, put a lot of money in, they had lost a lot of revenue. So they were trying to help them out. I don't think there was any way that they could put a fourth, you know, big time event um, at, at, in Arlington. I don't I'm think getting
3: greedy. Go. I'm getting greedy like- a, <laughs> Yes, you are. Like a Texan with a big steak in front of them. Uh, I want to eat it all. Go ahead, Julie.
1: Nui, I find it interesting what you pointed out at the beginning. People do tend to forget- that this has been going on for a long time with corporations.
6: Yes. I mean, look, you, what, what are these things built by? Sponsorship money. And because of what happened with COVID, especially in baseball, and the amounts of revenue that was lost, if a sponsor comes to you and they start talking about, it, we're not comfortable, you're listening. You are listening. So this isn't, you know, Major League Baseball didn't even come out and do what the NBA did, where the NBA said, hey, look, North Carolina, change your bathroom law. We'll bring the All-Star game back. Major League Baseball is like, you know, uh, we don't agree with this and we're moving on. They, they didn't even tell Atlanta, we'll bring it back here. You know, they didn't take some big stance and said, you know what, well, we're for voting rights. We want to see change. And you know, they didn't even do that. But this was about, you know, pleasing the money and that they didn't think Brian Kemp,
3: you know, hey, man, we're not touching Governor Brian Kemp. We're not siding with you. Just, you're too hot. We're going to go someplace else. Not a good look also, Nui, with, uh, because the All-Star game in Atlanta would have been a celebration and still maybe in 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 colorado but a celebration of of henry aaron and in that kind of backdrop with 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 the people complaining about voter suppression that wouldn't have been a good look you're right and as you got closer to the game it would have been
6: an issue and there would have been issues outside now the braves organization put out a pretty funny statement where they said they wanted to use the all-star game as a platform for a discussion about voting rights like what Nobody's going to the all-star. Hey, hey, everyone. Hey, let's stop. Let's all talk. Let's have a debate here. Um, the Braves were full of it here. Major League Baseball can still go out and honor Henry Aaron uh, in Colorado it, it, at Coors Field and do a fantastic job. And it's something that they shouldn't just be doing during the all-star game, especially since he recently passed. It should be, it's something they should be doing all year long to celebrate one of the great baseball players of all time.
3: I, I have a, a NCAA tournament basketball tournament question. Uh, all right. As you know, uh, Gonzaga didn't, didn't make it. Baylor won. But did you know, do you know who won the NBC5 tournament bracket? Do you know yes, who won I mean, the competition?
6: Yes, it was one Julie Fine. And, and <laughs> what I looked at with amazement from Julie is how she, she rebounded from a tough year of fantasy football. And wow. she just put it all... Terrible all year of, of this,
1: fantasy. Awful. But in my defense, I just want to say... I was plagued by injuries.
6: You were, but you put all that focus and all that energy of losing into winning the tournament. That's where I have so much respect. So you come out of this thing as a champion. And your producer, Lone Star Politics, the podcast, Chris Blake, is the champion of the fantasy football. So now, Gromer, we've got champions all around us. Yes, got champions all around us.
1: You know, we have to get Gromer Jeffers into our fantasy football league next year. We have to get him in.
6: You know if you want to be the commissioner and run it you know we need a commissioner we are so looking right now for a
1: commissioner we are looking for a Julie, commissioner. Um, the person that ran it last year wanted to play and remember thomas he wanted to play so we're like sure you're welcome if you want to be the commissioner
6: so Brian, uh, if, you do, if you'd like to do it that'd be great has refused to be the commissioner um i don't think chris blake will be the commissioner so that th- maybe you know then we have a spot that's open so if you'd like to be the commissioner,
3: um,
1: that's a hard job. Well. Commissioner. We, Chris it's Blake would be a league, good commissioner. And that, that
3: Motley crew of a league, I mean. Alex a, is just no.
1: walking through the studio. Alex is one of our directors. Would you like to be the? Um, I sure would. No. You want to be the commissioner? No. no. Yes.
3: I was like, no. No, you keep doing that. But, no. but hey, Nui, no, we have to get you on. You know, you're a sports guy extraordinaire. But we want to get you on Lone Star Politics also for your political intellect, because yep. I, what people don't know is, is we all have conversations off air that are fascinating. And so we're going to get some of that knowledge one day, have you as a guest on Lone Star Politics to mix it up with, with some of the issues of the day. How about that, my friend?
6: Well, well the, the, the debate captain for the Westover Wolverines would proudly love to
1: to be on um, Lone Star Politics, that would be fun. All right. We would love to have you because it's a secret. Nui doesn't make it, discuss it that much. He knows plenty about politics. Well, of course, Nui Scraggs, you are welcome anytime. Come see us anytime.
0: Be sure to check out last week's podcast to hear from Senator Ted Cruz and former Congressman Beto O'Rourke on immigration. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Lone Star Politics podcast wherever you get your audio content. Thanks to State Senators Royce West and Brian Hughes, Speaker Dade Phelan, and Newey Scruggs for joining us this week. You can stay up to date on everything related to Texas politics at NBCDFW.com slash Lone Politics. We'll talk to you next week.